Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows Romeo serves some of the best fish and chips in Ireland. But did you know that our pizzas are just as tasty too? Hand-rolled, stone-baked, and covered in fresh mozzarella. No wonder our Big Five deal is so popular. Romeo's 12-inch margarita pizza, five chicken goujons, three onion rings, chips, and a choice of dip for just $12.95. Order now on the app or romeos.ie. The Big Five, just $12.95. Romeo's, ready when you are. River Cafe Table 4 is a brand new podcast with me, Ruthie Rogers. Each week, I invite a special guest such as Paul McCartney, Glenn Close, or Michael Caine to discuss their food memories, what they cook, the restaurants they choose, and the food they seek when comfort is needed. Years ago, it was sausage and mash. Yes. Now it's caviar. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen to River Cafe Table 4 on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, it's Ariel. So it's 6.30 a.m. right now, and I just landed in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And... uh, (laughs) Forgive me if I'm a little fuzzy right now because it's actually like 4.30 in my brain. But I'm here to report on a story about the Pantanal. It's the largest wetlands in the world. And these wetlands have been experiencing terrible droughts and devastating wildfires. Literal swamps on fire. And that's threatening indigenous lands. It's killing vegetation. And it has also killed animals, many of which are already threatened or endangered. And it's, it's been so bad that scientists that previously just used to study that ecosystem or who used to study those animals have now been forced to pivot and to act as firefighters and animal rescuers. So that's why I'm here. Okay, uh, we gotta go get an Uber and head to an Airbnb so I can nap a little bit before we actually go out and do some reporting. within the watery lowlands. This is the South American continent's largest wildlife paradise. Every day, thousands of animals and plants and the people that inhabit the Pantanal region play their part in a spectacular display of life. But this vast region is rapidly turning into a desert of dust and smoke. These are the worst fires the area has seen in over a decade. Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, consistently undermines protections. Bem como por ser floresta única, como em grande parte dos senhores, não pega fogo. Então essa história de que a Amazônia arde em fogo é uma mentira. 
is Vice News Reports, and I'm your host, Ariel Zimros. Very strong smell of death here. I'm with an ecologist named Gabriela Shuk and a biologist named Christina Koyabalia and the rest of their team. Our translator, Nicole, is paraphrasing what the researchers are saying in Portuguese so I can keep up. It's like a mixture between like eggs and gas and it just it's not good. So something died here relatively recently. Yes. Okay. All right, well, let's go find it. I'm in the thick of the Pantanal wetland, one of the most biodiverse places on Earth. We're walking around a watering hole in a protected area of the wetland called the Sesc Pantanal Reserve of Natural Heritage that's home to more than 600 animal species, 12 of which are threatened. The researchers I'm with conduct their research in the reserve, which is the biggest private conservation area in the region, meaning that it's protected from development, farming, and hunting. It's supposed to be this untouched wild land, sort of a nature paradise. So that's a pressure carcass right there, right? Yes. The researchers are cataloging all of the dead animals they encounter to measure the damage from the recent fires. The fires that took over the Pantanal in August, September, and October, they're becoming bigger and more frequent, like in many parts of the world. This, of course, is part of our changing climate, And this affects all of us, because the Pantanal plays a major role in sucking up carbon and slowing down climate change. It's been months since the fires blazed through this area that we're in, and getting a handle on their full impact is still a daily job for these scientists. How old do you think that carcass is? I don't know, I don't care. Don't shoot your head. (laughs) I don't want to throw a bad guess. I would say definitely the, the last month. Gabriela is standing over a dead caiman, which is sort of like a small alligator. She has her phone in one hand, and she's starting to input data about the caiman into an app that's designed specifically for this purpose. So I'm going to start a new entry. Gives me a drop-down of animal options that I can select. So I chose alligator. This isn't just a skull. This is like, I can see the entire body. I can see the tail. It has been picked at by animals and bugs. Lots and lots of flies are circling around it. And animals are going to town because that's just the way that things go, right? So I'm observing here that this is a very slim carcass. So I'm going to deduce that it is because of the fire because uh, it seems to have lacked resources. The fires killed off a lot of the animals' food sources. Gabriella thinks that's how this came and died. It is clearly emaciated. So I'm going to take the picture now. Usually we try to insert a scientific photograph, which is from above at scale. Done. Entered with success. And this, by the way, is the science. It's the painstaking work of documenting one carcass at a time to size up the effects of a megafire. So far, their research is indicating that more than 130,000 animals died in the reserve alone. So millions were likely killed in the rest of the wetland. 
This is not what they thought they were going to be doing around this time. Gabriella had planned for months to join a big study about jaguars on the reserve. She was supposed to be systematically capturing them using tranquilizers and putting GPS collars on them to map their territory and find out more about how they move around the reserve. Instead, she's sniffing out dead caimans. Putting off the research they've been planning is just one of the compromises that the scientists have had to make following the fires. Another reason they've had to change the course of their research is because so many of the animals they study are in dire need. So these researchers have had to make some drastic choices. Basically, we are stopping very often at this point, uh, checking out the various troughs that have been placed as an emergency measure to deal with the drought and to deal with the, the wildfires. For months, they've been putting out food and troughs of water for the animals. Since September, they've distributed over 30 tons of food. This is the first time that they've had to do anything like this. It's an extreme measure, and it's not a decision that they made lightly. We're walking through the forest, through brush, and we're wearing shin guards to protect us from snake bites. And we're checking the food that the researchers left out. So this is a good sign. There's signs of food that we left for the animals that has not been consumed. That means that they're naturally finding sustenance. Melon and beetroot that were not eaten. But the reserve isn't a zoo, and putting out food for wild animals, that's a form of meddling that's usually frowned upon in the zoological world, which I asked Gabriela, the ecologist, about. Leaving food out for wild animals, that's kind of controversial, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a controversial and difficult decision, but we decided to offer support to these animals, they were quite severely debilitated. One of the matters was the amount of food we put out. We made sure that we didn't put enough so that that animal wouldn't need any other food that day. So we gave them access uh, to supplemental food so that they could have sustenance to be able to explore new regions to find their food because they had to, they had to migrate from where their normal feeding points were. Okay, that makes sense. So you're sort of giving them little snacks along the way so they can go to a place where they can, they can actually sustain themselves and, and fend for themselves. Are you going to keep putting out food and water? What happens next? We are in the process of weaning them away from it because the animals will remember where the food was. So we're gradually taking it away. I'm watching them as they make this decision. After having started to feed the animals, they know they can't do it indefinitely. But the question is, how fast can they wean the animals off these emergency rations? They're trying to balance how much intervention is okay. And all the evidence points to them being able to stop soon. Thanks to the cameras that Christina and Gabriella have placed around the reserve, the researchers know that life is slowly returning to the Pantanal. But the damage is still present. 
As I look around, I see trees that are still standing, but they're covered in these dark burn marks. The ground in some areas is still covered in soot. And generally speaking, the forest is way less dense than it should be. So, although it was such a sense of, of, of loss, of defeat, somehow we found the strength to, to understand this situation, to fight it, and to create this research project so that we can learn from this. So my focus is to make the space for these people to, to learn everything and to work on the nature. And I'm therefore exactly where I want to be, which is helping making taking care of nature viable. Christina isn't just a biologist. She's the big boss here, overseeing all of the research. And she was born to do this. She grew up nearby. I am from Cuiabá. I, I am a local <laughs> person here. When Cristina was a child, her mother, a geography professor, would take her on research trips to the Pantanal. That's how she fell in love with science and the region. When she got a bit older, she started working as an intern at the reserve. I am in this position for 80 years. And now... And in SESC, I am working 15 years, for 15 years here. She runs it. Just to orient for a minute, the Pantanal, all told, is huge. It's about the size of the entire state of Washington. It extends to parts of Brazil, Bolivia, and Paraguay, but the biggest section is in Brazil. And the Pantanal has an impressive concentration of wildlife, a lot of which is extremely rare. More than a thousand species of fish, birds, mammals, and reptiles live here. Animal Kingdom fan favorites like hyacinth macaws, the biggest parrots in the world, that are this gorgeous, deep blue color. And giant otters that are both hella fierce and extremely graceful. And anacondas, piranhas, toucans, giant anteaters. And they all live by a very specific rhythm called the flood pulse. The seasonal movement of water in and out of the land it's this incredibly unique ecosystem. And the Sesk Reserve that Christina runs was set up to protect all of that biodiversity 24 years ago. But the reserve and other protected areas, they really only make up a small portion of the Pantanal. Only 5%. The rest, the other part, is farms and private areas. So there's a lot of agriculture in this area, yeah, and, and people uh, own these wetlands. Yeah. Where it's not protected, a lot of the Pantanal is farming country. There are small subsistence farms as well as massive commercial farms that grow crops like soybeans and that raise cattle. That's how most of the fires were started, by the way, by large commercial farms that use fires to clear the land. There was a prohibition on the use of these fires last year during the dry season, but farmers ignored it. Can you take me back to August, September, when these fires were raging all around? Can you sort of describe what it was like? This is Christina. I had never seen such huge fires, such fast, dangerous 
devastating fire. The, the flames were huge. One day that comes to my mind was a very, very striking day. We were doing our uh, air monitoring and um, the pilot and I went out on one of the plane and those pilots, th that takes a lot of courage. Um, it, w it was one of the final days and we entered into basically a fire curtain and we had to get very, very close to the flames and it was so hot and everything was red and orange like the, the inside of the plane was like started filling with smoke. It was so hot that the heat actually made the GPS stop working and we thought this plane is going to melt. This plane is going to melt. Muito quente. Não tinha nenhuma visibilidade. There was no visibility. We couldn't see anything. So had we not known the area as well as we do, we wouldn't know where to go, where to land. It was, it was pretty scary. So the cabin is filling with smoke. Your GPS isn't working. What happens next? Um, so we landed it safely and had to cool off the plane for a while in order to get it to restart and continue with our research and wrap the flight day. You went back up in the air afterwards on, on, on that day? Seriously? Yep, as soon as the plane cooled off, we got right back onto our flying. But, you know, it's it's like, it's something we have to do, so we have no choice. This is our process, and this is what we have to do. This is how Christina approaches everything that has to do with the fires, with stoicism. I mean, as head of the reserve, she basically had to turn herself into a fire chief directing the reserve's fire brigade and overseeing all the work they did to prevent the fires from further ravaging the area. Foi como atuar em um momento assim de guerra, num cenário de guerra. It was like operating on a war zone. We were working 24/7. We we were fighting this fire. We were coordinating food, coordinating gear. It was all very very exhausting, very very sad, and it was just a deep deep sadness. I am so Totally dedicated to to this this mission. This is my job. Is the place that I work in and live in. And today is is my life. She's dedicated years to studying life, the wetland ecosystem, the animals that live here. But the fires have radically changed the nature of her work in a way that feels really dystopian. This was almost my life. I have a degree in zoology. I went to school for this. And I spent most of my childhood dreaming of being this kind of a scientist. A biologist living and working out in the field as much as possible, following animals around and trying to understand their behavior, how they interact with their environment, and what that tells us about all living things. But when I pictured the type of field research I wanted to do, it wasn't this morbid. When I saw the, the, the reserve immediately after the, the last fire, about September 15th, it uh, was so, so sad because the silence... Um, what do you mean by the silence? Because the nature is a orc. <laughs> it was an orchestra. The nature is an orchestra. Yeah. And the silence is the symbol of the, the death, the, the, 
destruction, but we can help the nature to return. And it is starting to return. The wetland is rebuilding itself and animals are recuperating with the help of some world-class treatment. After the break, I get to visit with some truly adorable furry friends on the mend. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, it's Allie Wentworth, a middle-aged woman with a lot of questions and a lot of answers I have pulled out of my tush as host of Go Ask Allie. My listeners want more, so we are digging in. It's real, it's honest, open and unexpected, and sometimes amusing. Can you start with your infamous $19,000 haircut? Yes, and this is a great story I, I feel about mothers and daughters with a dream and an empty bank account. Just a few of our fabulous guests this season are... New York Times bestselling author Isabel Gillies, writer and Oprah's favorite life coach Martha Beck, and former editor of People magazine Jess Cagle. If we know intimate details about another person, then that person is socially important to us. Okay, so that's what you like to gossip about. Wait, what do you gossip about? All new episodes of Go Ask Alley release every Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Alley on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So it is Wednesday morning 
at the base. 5.36 a.m. We are about to get into the trucks um, to head out to an NGO that has been helping animals rehabilitate following the wildfires. Because as a reminder, the fires were largely in August, September, and October. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, months later, what does that mean to try and help the animals that live in the Pantanal? We're going to put the ATVs, the quad bikes, on the metal dinghy. After two boat rides and an ATV ride, I finally made it to the veterinary post. It's sort of a makeshift animal hospital in the forest. In a clearing, there are these two animal pens. All right, um, so you're gonna feed the wild boars? Yeah? Is it okay if I come, if I'm, it's okay if I'm here? Oh, wow. Oh. So this, this boar was burned? It was burned? It had the, the legs burned. Yeah, and to the bones. An ecologist named Alexandri Inu is showing me the injured animals. In one pen, there are these two baby tapirs, animals that are related to horses and rhinos, but really look more like furry brown pigs with very small trunks. They're goddamn adorable. So what am I looking at right now? What's going on behind me? Yeah, these two tapers, uh, they were rescued from the fires we had. Uh, they had their uh, foot burned, mm. really serious, the, the four feet of each one. And so they, they are here as they can, can get better and be released. The two tapirs here are young and pretty small still, but when they'll reach maturity, they'll top 400 pounds. Tapirs hold the title of being the largest land mammals in South America. If you listen closely enough, you might actually be able to hear the male tapir chewing. It's really cool to see how they... uh, interact with their food because they really they grab their food with their nose. Their nose acts almost as kind of like a hand and then they sort of shovel it into their mouths. These tapirs, they managed to avoid the worst of the fires, but they likely walked on hot ash and without help, they would have died eventually too, which is bad for everyone who calls the Pantanal home because tapirs are a crucial part of the ecosystem. They are very important uh, about the reforestation because uh, dispersers of seeds. Yes. Oh, okay. They so they the, eat fruit they, and then they yeah. they poop out the seeds and yeah. and so they're good to like help yeah. uh, the forest thrive. The, the forest, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, exactly. It's very important because they are uh, capable to 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 eat uh, big seeds. Ah, Other animals can't do this, but they can. The word is gardener. They're gardeners. They're gardeners. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Alexandri thinks these two tapirs will be able to be released in about a year once they're fully grown. 
But he also said that there have been a lot of animals that are just too injured to ever be released. And they've been sent to zoos and other places that can take care of them long term. How many animals did you have to treat here with burn injuries? Uh, we had here um, two tapers, one wild uh, pig, mm -hmm. uh, one, one snake, uh, uh, just that. But there, generally speaking, do you know how many animals have had to be treated like this because of the wildfires last year? We think about uh, numbers of hundreds. Hundreds of animals? Yeah. Okay. How exactly did you treat the tapirs? Uh, uh, ab about the, the, the burning mm -hmm. tissue, mm -hmm. uh, we used the tissue of fishes. Fish skin? Fish skin. Mm -hmm. Fish mm -hmm. skin. Yeah, that's we, used in burns in humans too, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a technique. Uh, until there, uh, it was used just in humans. Mm. And uh, with this, this situation, uh, vets from around Brazil came here to, to start to do it on wild animals for wow. the first time. Which, so this, which the first is, time this year? Yeah, just the first time this year. And researchers, they had already uh, applied this technique on California. On, oh, on animals, in animals in California. In, in animals in California. They trained the local researchers and now the vets here can do the job by themselves, which was great because we could see good results. It's cutting edge technique, it's right? Cutting, not ev not yeah, everybody knows yeah, how to do this. Yeah, it's cutting edge. Yeah. Yes, well, to do this. Well, you're just, just for these tapirs? Just for these tapirs. These baby tapirs are taking months to recover. And so while I love seeing them play with each other and interact with their caregivers, I'm also wondering if this is in any way sustainable. So it's important because it's a threatened animal. Threatened? Threatened, okay. threatened animal. I mean, and right uh, now, Alexandria and his team and people from all over Brazil are using the most advanced techniques to save just a handful of tapirs. That's a lot of resources to spend on two animals. Does that seem sustainable if these wildfires are going to keep happening all the time? You're, you're going to get more animals that are burned like this. So there is a lot to do. It's difficult to say it's sustainable to, to continue to implement this kind of uh, way of doing that, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, I think we are in a good patch, mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a right patch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You sound optimistic. Yeah, I'm optimistic. I'm an ecologist, and I have to be optimistic <laughs> because we have to we have to have hope. Of mm. course, uh, without hope, we can't go go on. I'm glad Alexandri is hopeful because I honestly had trouble connecting with that feeling when I was out there in the Pantanal. Clearly, this landscape is resilient, but knowing that these megafires could happen again really soon, I'm not sure how I would have handled that as a scientist, having to do this kind of dystopian work every day. But in my experience, it's the nature of people like Alexandri to be patient and adaptable, not to mention to be reserved about the emotions and the politics of it all. I got to talk to Gabriela a little bit about this. Uh, e eu já estava bem chateada com todas as outras 
I was already upset when the fires started because of the Amazon fires and all the deforestation of the Am Amazon. So I was already feeling sadness. I was feeling anger. Tristeza e raiva. You know, you're the first person to have mentioned anger to me. Who are you angry at? I'm angry at uh, the direction of environmental concerns about the environment not being valued, inclu including academically. Mm. I think people do a lot of time, they don't make the connection that they're a part of nature. And when you don't make that connect, you don't understand the value of it. This is what ecologists and biologists all over the world are facing as the effects of climate change get more pronounced. And they're having to change alongside it. What I saw was that, in some ways, it's a fundamental shift in the nature of scientific work, at least when it comes to biologists who work in the field. Their jobs keep getting sidetracked to deal with a constant barrage of climate-related crises. And this change in their work they all know it might be permanent, and they're all hoping it won't be. The flip side of that shift is that the research that the scientists at CESC are doing now is really the first of its kind, which, when you're a scientist, is basically the goal. No one really knows the full impact of fires that are this big on such a delicate ecosystem. And because of this work, we're getting our first real picture of what it takes for nature to survive. Something I think we're really going to need to know to secure our own survival moving forward. All right, where should I, where should I get in? Right here? Cool. The sun is setting and it's just this gorgeous shade of like pink, blue, and purple. And I've just, I, the sky is just really beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Well, I mean, so you, you, you've been working here for a really long time and you're still amazed by the color of the sky when the sun goes down? Yeah, but every day I surprise me because each day is different day here. The, the color is different. The water, the animals, the plants, the, the people. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hi, I'm Fiona. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017. I'm now living with cancer. In my case, it's not curable, but it is treatable and I'm living every single day of my life to the full. I'll be taking part in the Great Pink Run on October 16th and 17th to raise vital funds for breast cancer research. One in nine women will be affected in their lifetime with someone being diagnosed every 29 seconds across the world. Gather your tribe and sign up for the Great Pink Run with Glambia, supported by Joe Duffy Group at greatpinkrun.ie. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. I always wanted to record credits in an airport. Really glad I got a chance to do this. Even with the baby crying in the background. All right, special thanks to the folks at Sesc Pantanal. That means Christina, Gabriella, and Alessandro. You made our stay there really memorable, so thank you. An additional special thanks to Agnes Walton, Dave Mayers, Nicole Huber, Sam Donenberg, and Albert Berti. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cottrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan, Sophie Kazis, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. From iHeart executive producer Mangesh Hatikador and senior producer Nikki Etor. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Dremras. I know podcast hosts say this constantly, but seriously, please take the time to rate and review this podcast. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach the VNR team by emailing us at vicenewsreports at vice.com. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday. 
everywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to check back in next week. At Experts Electrical, we're celebrating Italian pizza perfection with Smeg. Buy a Smeg Victoria, Opera or Portofino range cooker and get a free Smeg pizza stone and shovel worth €169. The finest Italian cookers, the finest Italian pizza. Perfetto. Shop Smeg now at your local Experts Electrical store and expert.ie. Hi, friends. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We're your hosts for SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's podcast celebrating all things SpongeBob universe. We have the privilege that not many SpongeBob fans get. This being an official Nickelodeon podcast, we get to interview the brilliant humans behind the names we've all been reading in those credits for over 20 years. It was a blast. Steve had a a sign over his door that said, have fun or you're fired. (laughs) I love that. First of all, for everybody out there who doesn't believe that we're talking to you, can you say something as Sandy? (laughs) Sure, of course. Howdy, everyone from uh, Bikini Bottom and actually from my living room. (laughs) (laughs) It's Sandy, you guys. It's Sandy Cheeks. I'm freaking out. This is a podcast by fans for fans. And I think SpongeBob would call it the best podcast ever. Listen to SpongeBob Binge Pants on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In this season of Unobscured, we will follow Grigory Rasputin's transformation from a peasant at the crossroads of history to a monster at the center of far too many legends. And in the process, learn how he took the weight of a fallen empire with him to the grave. Join us as we make our way into the burning palaces of Imperial Russia to dig up the truth about Grigory Rasputin. Unobscured Season 4 is available now. Listen and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.